Welcome everybody to the Life, Death and Happiness Podcast. This podcast is all about real talks with real people. Why? Because some stories just need to be told. In each episode, I will sit down and talk with my guest about how it is to live with an incurable disease or terminal illness. But let me get this straight before we start. This is all about celebrating life. I'm your host, Daniel Cole. Welcome. Welcome to this episode where I'm joined by Lorena from Texas. And uh, could you please tell us all a little about who you are and uh, yeah, just whatever you feel like telling us about yourself. Okay. Well, like you said, Daniel, I'm Lorena. Um, I'm originally from Indiana. I moved mm-hmm. to Texas about three, three going on four years ago. Um, I moved to Texas for my grandma because she wasn't doing so well. Um, but I was born and raised in Indiana for almost 20 years. Oh, yeah, that's a long time. So Texas still, is still kind of new to you. Yes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> how how you, you moved because she didn't feel well and to help her out. Did, mm-hmm. I am just curious here. Was it ever a place you wanted to go before that or was it just the, just the circumstances that made you make that final move? Just the circumstances. Okay. Um, I was originally planning to move to California. Mm. But then I'm like, you know, I'll move to Texas, see how, see how it is for a few years. It felt like yeah, I'll just move. So, but I like it so far. <laughs> I've never been there, actually. I've been to, like, I think 15 different states, but not not Texas yet. Uh, mm. It will happen someday, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> yeah. I'm traveling abroad a lot, so I'll probably get mm-hmm. to this sooner or later. But yeah. let me ask you here, uh, what uh, diagnosis do you have and when did you get that? I was diagnosed with Fanconi anemia. Mm-hmm. I was diagnosed, I think, when I was five years old. Okay, yeah. And how old are you now? I know I'm not supposed I'm to ask 22. that. I'm 22. You're 22, okay. <laughs> yeah. So you've known this since you were five years old. Mm-hmm. Can, can you remember yeah. anything about your reaction or your parents' reaction back then? Uh, well, when we first found out that I had Fanconi, I was, well, in school they thought, with all the bruises and everything, they thought my parents were abusing me. Oh. Well, that wasn't the case. And so they sent me to the Riley's Children's Hospital saying that I had leukemia. Mm. So they did a biopsy and they said, you don't have leukemia. So from then then on, they're like, do you want to go to... There? We have different hospitals that treat Fanconi. And I'm like, the closest one to us is Ohio, Cincinnati Children's. Mm. So I've been going there ever since. Okay, so you are going there for yearly checkups and stuff like that. <laughs> yes. Uh, it's... I want to ask you a question regarding these bruises here. Do you remember any of that part? Because I know it's a common thing, and for people who do not know about anemia, mm-hmm. we often get bruises and stuff like that. So it's not uncommon that people get a diagnosis because the school or the child care center or whatever you are, they actually think the, the parents are abusing their kids. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and that's a very serious topic, and it's... It's got to feel mm-hmm. like shit to be a parent and get accused of something like that. Yes. And I know you were a child back then, of course, mm-hmm. but have you talked to your parents later about about this? And No, not really. Not, not I really. mean, okay. we just pushed in past then. Yeah. 
and talk about it then. Oh, right. So I totally get that because mm-hmm. it's just, it just, it got to feel so bad. I, I know a few people it here was. in Denmark who have been through that too. And, and, and the parents, it's just so unfair. I mean, they're trying mm-hmm. to give their kids all the love and they get accused for something mm-hmm. like this because of a diagnosis they don't even know anything about at that time. Yeah. But uh, you were five when you got diagnosed. Mm -hmm. So did you have a normal childhood, you think? Not really, because I was always tired, um, didn't want to get up in the morning. Mm. And I didn't really, I was, um, for most of my life, I was isolated from the world. So I was in my little bubble until the uh, transplant happened. Was it something you choose by yourself, or was it... Your parents who tried to protect you? Um, it was my parents and the doctors. Okay, yeah. Yeah, they didn't want me to go out because they were afraid I would get an infection mm. or, you know, it worsens. Oh, yeah. They thought back then that I had a blood disease. I was diagnosed at five years old, too. So they were afraid that if I uh, went out by myself and I got bruises and I was starting to bleed, it wouldn't stop again. Mm-hmm. So they thought yeah. that could actually be fatal. So I was never allowed to. Uh, I was allowed to go to a friend's house and play there, but I wasn't allowed to just go out with the rest of the kids from around where I lived uh, mm-hmm. and just you know go to the playground and all stuff like that when there was no grown-ups. So I feel yeah. regarding that. I mean, <laughs> they, they try to protect you, and it's probably the right mm-hmm. thing to do, but it still affects you as a kid. Yeah. I think, yeah. Well, I would sneak out with my godbrothers, and we would go riding our bikes, and they're like, okay, just be careful, don't fall. So, <laughs> I mean, I have my, my older brothers watching out for me, so. Oh, sometimes siblings is a very good thing to have. <laughs> yeah, my brothers helped me out a lot, too, mm-hmm. regarding that. I mean, try to, just try to be around me so I didn't feel like mm-hmm. I was alone and couldn't go out like that. Yeah. Uh, but uh, you told me before we started that you have had a stem cell transplant. That's can, correct. Can you tell me a little about that? Um, well, it was the summer before seventh grade. Yeah. That um, I got the biopsy results, and they're like, you're going to need a transplant. Mm. So uh, the stem cell transplant. So what they did was they tested my mom and dad because sometimes they're um, compatible mm. with with the stem cell transplant. I was outside with my dog um, swinging on her swing set, and my mom comes out running and crying. So I'm like, oh, no, what's wrong? Mm. So she's like, well, you're going to need a stem cell transplant this month so you can't go to school. Mm. And then she's like, like, do you want to know who your donor is? I'm like, yeah. She's like, well, it's me. I'm your donor. So I was happy about that. So Oh, actually, I've never heard about that before. But that's kind Nobody of cool, has. actually. Yeah. No, no. But that again, it shows like a disease like Fanconi anemia. It's so it's it's not the same for everybody. It's so yeah. diverse. There's so many ways you can have this damn disease that mm-hmm. not two cases are the same. But yeah, it, it was good in your case, of course. A great thing, actually. Yeah. So she actually mm-hmm. became your donor. And can mm-hmm. you, to the people who are not so much familiar with that process. Can you explain just overall what is this kind of transplant? Um, well, what they do is they get, take the stem cell out of the donor mm-hmm. and then they put it like in a big syringe. And it's like a quick like five, 
seconds maybe that they just put in your port and then you're done. But you do go through chemo for like a couple months or a week or mm. so, depending on like how severe it is. And do chemo and then after that they go and they do the transplant, that's it. So that's pretty much it. How how long mm -hmm. did it take for you? Um being in the hospital or just yeah i think the yeah you know the whole process from from beginning to end i i don't know how it happened to you but usually you you have to leave school for some time and mm -hmm. you know because you need to take care of all these things so how long was the, was the whole process for you well i missed seventh and eighth grade of my school year okay yeah. and then during my freshman year of high school that's when i was able to go and so it was two years Two years, okay. Mm -hmm. How was it to get back? It was awkward and weird. Yeah? Like, I like I didn't know anybody, or, like, they they were my friends, but, like, we grew apart, so. Mm. it was, But it was a fresh start, too, making new friends. And... So for you, it was actually a good thing that you mm -hmm. didn't come back to the same class, but, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So uh, how do you think that, having Franconi anemia and having this kind of childhood has affected you as a person? Um, I don't look at it as, like, a disease anymore because mm. when I was younger, I'm like, okay, you know, everybody was fragile around me, but now I'm like, you know, it, I have it. There's nothing I could do about it. I have mm. to live with it. So I try and just, like, my life to live with Franconi. Okay, so you just have it in the back of your mind, but mm -hmm. you don't spend a lot of time thinking about it. And, yeah. Uh, okay. I know that many of the other people I've talked to who have had, uh, or not have had, who still have Fanconi anemia, <laughs> uh, of course. I know some of them have been going to this Camp Sunshine for children with the disease and later in mm -hmm. life, maybe to the adult meetings and stuff like that. Have you ever tried to reach out and and be and try to spend time with other Fanconi anemia patients? I went to Camp Sunshine one year. I mm. think it was back in 2013 or 14. Okay. I went to Camp Sunshine. Okay. And then from there, um, I didn't really... I'm more of a isolated kind of girl, so it's hard for me to get out and make friends. Mm. So you didn't, uh, feel, you didn't feel like coming back like that? Yeah. Had you ever met anybody else with your disease before that time? Before you went there? No. No, I haven't. Wasn't that so overwhelming that was... as beep to go there and see so many people? Yes, it was overwhelming. I mean, it was nice to meet everybody and like, you know, okay, I'm not the only one. I know other people. So like, it was nice then, but like, it, I still kept to myself. But I tried to like, get out of that shell that I had around me. But it can be pretty difficult, actually. <laughs> Uh, mm -hmm. I know most of the people who know me or who have met me at the evolving or the Camp Sunshine or I've even been attending a German meeting uh, uh, just to to talk about life, mm -hmm. quality of life and stuff like that. And even though uh, I am usually very outgoing, but I can have these moments too, like you described there. When I went to Germany, I, I can't speak a word of German. I, they did welcome me, and it was a good experience that I got get up there and get the chance to talk about quality of life and how to live with this disease and, and still have a good life and a normal life. But at mm -hmm. the same time, I felt so insecure when I got there because I knew nobody. Some of them had knew, knew, known each other from their kids. Mm -hmm. 
I didn't yeah. speak the language. Oh, I just feel so uncomfortable in some situations because you should just be like, hey, I'm Daniel, blah, blah, blah. But on that occasion, I could really feel that I almost closed up inside. I didn't really, oh, it was so awkward in some situations. And that was strange to me. So, so for yeah. you going there and meet so many with Franconia anemia, maybe being curious about mm-hmm. it, but at the same time, maybe not knowing how to reach out. Approach, yeah. yeah how, how to approach people. Oh, uh, yeah. I, I can imagine that. I think anybody who's been to these kind of meetings mm. probably feel the same. Yeah. There was mm. this one time in the Danish organization we have here uh, for Franconia Anemia. Uh, we mm. are very, very small <laughs> foundation, of course. Uh, so we went to a meeting with other rare diseases, uh, different mm. groups who have rare diseases, so maybe we could help each other out. And it was so awkward. We're sitting there like two people with Hanconia anemia, two people who were, who, had, who were dwarfs, and we had like 16 different, and they tried to put us in a room because, oh, you must have so much in common. And nobody mm-hmm. had anything in common. It was so awkward. Oh, my, yeah. we spent like six hours there. It was so awkward. <laughs> so I, I, I know that yeah. feeling. <laughs> <Yeah>. No. <laughs> <laughs> Let me get back on track. I'm always going off track. So I'm... No, it's fine. <laughs> no, but who are you? What What do you like to do, and how do you uh, how do you see yourself as a as a person? Not just a person with Franconia anemia, but who are you? Well, I like to read. Like that's my biggest thing. I love mm-hmm. reading and listening to music. Yeah. Um, I'm actually in college right now. I'm mm-hmm. going to go. I'm going from my medical assistant, and then oh, maybe nice. later go from my registered nurse. Oh, that's pretty cool, actually. Yeah. yeah. And what I want to do is, once I'm done with that, I want to go to Cincinnati and go through the bone marrow transplant unit. Oh, that that will actually be that. pretty yes. awesome. Yeah. That's my dream, so... Oh, that that would be cool. I mean, some other people with Franconia may have become nurses and stuff like that. And I think that's admirable because I try to stay the... Pardon my language. I try to stay the hell away from hospitals as much as I can because I've had so many not-too-good experiences there. Yeah. And, uh, but I really admire that those of you who actually want to do, make a difference yourself. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was hard going, like, to the hospital and shattering people because, like, you know, I'm, like, I've been there. Like, some of them are bad memories, but I'm, like, I'm going to make good memories. I'm going to help them out. Mm. Like, they're not alone in whatever cancer they have. Oh, that's it's a good way to look at it. So, so was, what was your main reason to, uh, what, 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 how can I say this? When, when you chose that route, route to do that you have you were in need of a good nurse and a good doctor back then but mm-hmm. how come you did choose it after all i mean it's still a big very big decision um what made me choose it was um since i always been in and out like i just want to help people and then i had a good doctor dr davies and good nurses who helped me with everything even when i was down like they would have like a um when I was in the hospital, they had, like, music therapy. 
So uh-huh. a guy will come in with a guitar and everything or massage therapy therapy just like to help you know calm you make you feel at home they did that so that's what i want to do mm-hmm. that's awesome oh yeah. man my daughters could learn something from your daughters <laughs> <laughs> so so where you at in your life right now you're going through college you're going to college and mm-hmm. you want to try to become a, a nurse hopefully one day yes so in your life You you said before that it hasn't affected you so much against her Fanconi anymore because you tried to to leave it behind you and mm-hmm. but how often do I actually think about it? I mean, when I uh, ask if somebody wants to come uh, online and talk mm-hmm. about this, so you were like, yeah, I would actually like to talk about it. So I mean, it must have a place in your mind still. So mm-hmm. how much do you think about it? And um, probably every week I think about it because mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, because I haven't um, seen the doctor in maybe two years because I didn't have insurance then. But oh. since I do, I'm like, I'm going back and I'm like, okay, am I good? Like I still have those little um, lingering thoughts in my head. Mm-hmm. Like, it, did it progress worse? Am I getting better? Like, where is it at in this stage? Okay. Do you Do you feel good at this time? I do feel good. Okay, I think that says a lot, actually. I mean, <laughs> we've talked a lot about that in earlier episode. Mm-hmm. You get a pretty good connection with your own body when you have something yeah. like this. Usually, I think to most people, it doesn't come as a big surprise when problems occur. Mm-hmm. Because if you actually listen to your body, it will probably tell you if there's something wrong. Maybe not mm-hmm. exactly what, but you know. You can just feel this wrongness or whatever you you want to call it. Well, there are times I did feel like that. I'm like, oh, okay, what is that? Like sometimes mm. I'll get like pain in my back, like where your kidneys are. Mm. I'm like, okay, what's wrong with my kidneys? I'm I'm doing everything I'm supposed to be. So it's just something like I said, lingering thoughts about mm. oh, what's next? What's happening? But isn't that also the problem with having a disease like this? No matter what. Mm. You you yeah. you know that something will happen, and I know a few people say you're not sure about that. But let let's be real. something will happen somewhere down the line. Mm-hmm. You just don't know if it's today or in ten years from now or in twenty yeah. years from now or uh, tomorrow. I mean, mm-hmm. I don't know if, if you have given that any thoughts. But how do you think you manage to deal with that? Um. I think I managed to deal with that just like good but not too good. Mm. Like I still have those feelings or like, um, how do I say it? Mm. It's right there. I just can't see it. <laughs> no, it's okay. Take your time, yeah. Um Like with my, you know, how you said with your body, how you feel, how you feel when something's wrong. Mm. But whenever I feel something wrong with my body, I'm like, okay, is it the Fanconi? Well, yeah. Like just all these thoughts. Mm. Um. I, I get that fully. I, I really get where you're coming from. I think uh, I've never been normal in more than one <laughs> sense of the word. So, but I think for normal people, when they're having like, okay, I'm having a back pain or something uh, it's just it's just a pain yeah. to us it's like it's, it's a pain and it's also like is it a sign I mean 
it, it just makes a whole a big difference. Yeah. When you think that way, yeah. So, but what do you believe that Fanconia anemia have made you stronger or weaker, or do you think that you actually live your life like you're supposed to, and like you didn't have it at all? Some days, yeah, I feel like I don't have that coin that I'm like just a regular person. But then I'm like, okay, what is a regular person? <laughs> Now that's a mighty good <laughs> like, question. <laughs> yeah. So how can you be a regular person if you don't know what a regular person is? So mm. with um, there are days that I feel normal, like mm. I'm good, like there's nothing wrong. But then a couple of days later, I feel okay. Mm. I have this. How am I going to deal with this problem? How am I going to deal with the Fanconi? Mm. So there's different ways. And I'm um, I'm in the Fanconi research group, and I see how they do all these fundraisers. I'm mm. like, okay, you know, gives me ideas of how to do fundraisers mm. for to help Fanconi. Have you done any? I'm just curious. No, here. I haven't. Not yet. Okay. Yeah. But I think that, It's, to me, it's a big dilemma because I want to stay. On, I want to stay on top of things. I want to know about the new science. I want to know what happens to my friends. I've gotten to learn, learn to know through this. But at the same time, I do believe I went uh, more than 20 years without any problems, any issues at all. And I think that was probably because I didn't think about it. Yeah. Because I was just living life. Mm-hmm. Uh, my very sure I've told it many times before I thought I was cured I was told I was cured so I never gave it any thoughts before I figured mm-hmm. out back in 2014 that that was not the case I, and I got a cancer and stuff like that but mm-hmm. I mean from the bottom of my heart I believe that this that me thinking I was cured might be a big reason that I went so many years without trouble because I never had that thought about what will happen next. Yeah. I mean, there was a year, I was a senior year, I didn't think about it at all. So I was just living my life how it was. But then I moved down here, I'm like, okay, I need to get on top of it. I need to mm. make sure every my counts are good, make sure my levels are good, make sure nothing's going down or everything's steady. But to me, that's just being smart. I mean, hopefully, I mean, how long time was it since you had your your transplant? I mean, nine that's, years. Yeah, that's a long time. Mm-hmm. And you're still going strong, and you don't have any issues at all right now. That's pretty damn good. If you could go for nine years, you can go for eighteen years, or mm-hmm. maybe longer before you get anything. Yeah. I mean, isn't that the dream? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, for, for all of us. Yeah. I think sometimes uh, the big thing is, do you dare to dream about it? I think that's holding some people back, actually. Because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. I know it held me back. Mm. Sometimes. So you have had this life and you have had these experiences. How have your family and your friends reacted to all this? Well, when I told my friends about it, they acted differently towards me. Mm. 
like they wouldn't you know hang out with me they wouldn't play with me when I was younger they're like okay stay away from her don't you know like you know don't be around her you might catch something and then when I was in middle school before I had a transplant my high uh my school made a fundraiser okay so we had Zumba we had food and like we raised all these money from uh, me and my parents so we could travel, so my mom and dad could travel back and forth from Cincinnati to Indiana. Oh, that's so really that cool. So that was a big help. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, so, like I said, like freshman year started, like it was new people or like they didn't know or they thought something happened. Actually, um, one of my friends, uh, oh, you're alive? I thought you died. I'm like, I was taken aback about that. I'm like, are you serious? <laughs> oh, how, how did yeah. you respond to that? Like, I was in shock. I'm like, what? Like, do you not see my Facebook page? Like, I've been posting a lot of stuff. So, like, I just walked away from that. Okay, I'm like, in some twisted way, maybe it was a positive thing. Maybe here yeah, she mm-hmm. meant it in a positive way. Oh, you're still alive. Like, it's it's a good thing, and it is a good thing, but it's just a strange <laughs> thing to say to other people. Yeah. Oh, I mean, maybe I should try to say, ask that question to someone just out right. of the blue. So you, when you meet an offer, oh, you're still alive. <laughs> <laughs> Who does that? <laughs> yeah. So. Oh, sometimes people are weird. <laughs> yeah. Oh, how uh, I don't know how your relationship is with your parents and your family and your siblings today. But how did the rest of your family? How did they react to all this? Back back they when they were in we, shock. They were in shock. Yeah, my parents were in shock too. Mm. Like it was hard for um, me and my dad and my mom for a while, um, just trying to get used to going to the doctors and, like, you know, figuring out what I could do and what I can't do. Mm. And then with my extended family, like, they were support- supportive some most of the time. But I didn't actually tell them about everything that was going on. Mm. Like, I left, I left that up to my parents because I wanted to, but at the same time, I didn't. So I'm like, you know, should I keep it to myself or should I tell them? So it was a big debate with me and my um, telling my immediate family. Hmm. So. What now that you made your choice back then? How do you think? Do you what would you advise other people to do if they came into the same situation as you were there? Mm, I would say live your best life. Live your best <laughs> life. Okay. And just be mm-hmm. open about it. Or do you think that's yes, a good be thing? Open. Yeah. Yes. Be open, don't hide it, because that's how it was. I would hide it from everybody, but then I'm like, you know what? Forget it, you know? This is me. If you don't like it, then you don't have to be in my life. Mm. So. I think that's a very healthy approach, actually. I mean, mm-hmm. we haven't gone in email, but it could have been something totally different. Mm-hmm. I mean, people who are, who is very overweight or very small or very tall and everything, they, ha- they keep hearing people's prejudices and, and stuff, And, I mean, you can't walk around taking into account what other people think. They have to take you for who you are, no mm-hmm. matter what. I mean, yes. 
having Franconia anemia or something different, uh, sclerosis, whatever people can have, it doesn't make you. You're still a person. I mean, you have the same hopes, fears, and dreams like everybody else. So why mm. treat you differently? I question that every day. Mm. Like, when how I'm like, why do you treat this person like this? Like, in my head, I'm like, okay, why is that person treating this person different just because you're tall, you're small? So I'm, I'm like, you're you. <laughs> uh, I can't argue with that. <laughs> Uh, I'm kind of curious here because I don't know so much about you regarding these things. A lot of people with Franconia anemia ha- is having a problem with their thumbs or other yes. stuff like that, or they're extremely small and stuff. Do you uh, have any of these things? Do you deal with any yes, of it? Yes, um, my thumbs. I'm missing a joint in my thumbs. Okay. So. Actually, okay. Because okay. Yeah. I'm one of the lucky few and who haven't, but yeah. Do people notice and that? Yeah. Sorry. Sometimes. Sometimes they do notice that. Mm. Well, They're like, oh, how can you dance like that? I'll just tell them, well, I'm missing a joint. Like, you know. They're like, well, can you get it fixed? I'm like, I can, but I don't want to. Mm. Like, I'm fine with them. Like, so you, they work great. <laughs> and that's actually just what's important here, yeah. <laughs> so you don't give them the whole speech about... If it's just because they ask a question regarding the thumbs or sometimes I'll give them a speech of berries on like, you know, who it is mm. or how they ask it. So So uh, before we talk about the other topics, I'm kinda of curious about how do you see yourself in like five years from now? You know, I mean I know you're aware of the Franconian email research mm-hmm. uh Fund and the, you probably read about the different cases and stuff like that, but I know you have this dream about becoming a nurse. I don't know how long mm-hmm. time that usually takes in the U.S., but what do you immediately dreams about? What where do we want to be in life? What do you hope for? I hope in five years. I hope like I'm like traveling, like being a travel nurse, mm. like going to different countries, getting information from how they deal with this or how they uh what medications they use and stuff like that so that's where i see myself in five years i'm still living in texas oh maybe (laughs) (laughs) oh i want to dive into uh, some some of the stuff that we usually talk about we usually get around to talk about death not because it's uh, Mm -hmm. i mean if we're all gonna die anyway but it's something that matters to a lot of people or at least we have to Think about it maybe early on in life than people are normally doing. Have you ever given any thought, thoughts about death and how to deal with it? Yeah, um, I have given thought about death. Mm-hmm. I'm like, it happens, it'll happen. Like, you no, know, that's the cycle of life. Mm-hmm. Like, I die, you know. Like, I don't want a big funeral or anything like that. I would like just like my family mm-hmm. and to be buried. So you haven't made mm. you haven't uh, given so much thought to it other than you just know that you want those mm-hmm. people who you love to be around you for mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. I mean, when I was younger, I always thought about um, like because they always told me, "Oh, when you're twenty, 
or when you're 21, you might not be here. Mm. Like, that's the lifespan. That's where it ends for you. Mm. Or when you're 15. So, like, I'm like, I wait. I'm like, okay, at 15, I'm, I'm still here, still strong. And you still are now. <laughs> I, mean, <laughs> I mean, it's one thing that nobody can avoid. Some, everybody will mm-hmm. die someday. Uh, mm-hmm. So I totally get that. But uh, is it something you have... Did you fear it back then and you come over that fear or was it the same back then that you were just like, mm, it will happen when it happens? Um, I, it was fear back then, mm. but now I got like over it. I, I dealt with it. I'm like, okay, you know, because um, I used to have a little brother. Mm-hmm. He was a year, no, not even a day old. And he had Fanconi, but like the severe type. Oh. And he passed the next day. Oh. So I'm like, when I was later, I always feared death. Mm. But then as I got older, I'm like, okay, you know, God wanted him. He has him. And it's just next to our time. Mm. I'm sorry to hear about your loss. I didn't know that part. How much have... Let me know if I'm getting too personal here. Has How did that affect you? And how has it affected your life, do you think? It affected me, like, pretty rough. Mm. Like, I couldn't deal with it until, like, maybe junior year of high school. I'm like, okay, you know, if I keep uh, doing this life or, like, keep, like, crying about it uh, or, like, keep mourning, I'm like, is he is he giving or, like, is he in peace mm. if I keep mourning? So, I'm like, I start, and, like, I still mourn about it, but not as bad as I, as I used to. Because, like, almost every month I'll be, like, in just, like, my little shell mm. and just, like, cry. Like, don't talk to anybody. Mm. So. I get that. I think I think it's uh, it's healthy for your mental stability to take your time to, to cry about these kind of things. Uh, mm. I'm very, like, I'm a man. I don't cry bullshit. <laughs> I mean... Um, as a as a man, as a dude, <laughs> you, do, I don't talk so much about that part either. But I mean, I think it's okay when you need to, and when you feel mm. like it. I mean, you have to let it out somehow. That yeah. that pain you feel inside. I haven't lost mm. a brother, but I lost my mother to cancer back in two thousand and seven, mm-hmm. and that was like it came out of nowhere, and she was gone within three or four months, and. To me, it was incredible difficult at that time, of course. And I would probably never have admitted that like 20 years ago. But when I go and I visit her grave, I usually do it by myself. I don't want my... Yeah. I don't like my wife to be there. Or I don't take my son there. Maybe my dog every now and then, but he can't really tell. Mm. <laughs> I mean, yeah. And I do sit there, and I can... Even after so many years... I can still sit there and, and cry because it's just I allow myself to do it at that time. And mm-hmm. I think it's healthy to do it. It is. Or else it just gets stuck up inside and... It keeps building up. Yeah, exactly. The tension keeps building and... Yeah. And I think it's... Mm-hmm. I think it's important to to let yourself moan when something like that happens. Yeah. Uh, that is also the reason why I think it's difficult to be in part of the Fanconi anemia 
what do you call it, society, community, the family, whatever you want to call it. I love some of these people to death. I mean, there's so many nice people and cool people and, yes. and good friends. At the same time, the more I get involved, the more pain I experience when we lose yes. people. I haven't found the right balance yet. But mm. I found I have found out over the last many years that I'm pretty much an emotional dude, even though I, <laughs> I don't I don't like to admit that. <laughs> yeah. I mean it is hard when you like when I find out like oh if we lost another FA patient, like it's hard. Even though I don't know him, I'm like, you know, they're still like a part of me. Mm. Like a constant mm-hmm. reminder. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Ah, so difficult sometimes to talk about, especially when, like, like you lost a brother. I mean, how do you, how do you deal with that? Uh, I mean, I sometimes hear people, do you ever get over it? No, you don't get over losing someone that close. You learn to deal with life afterwards, and the different life you have. I mean, it's a you wake up to a new day, but. You don't get over it. I hate that expression. No. Like, have, oh, have just you get, get over it. Yeah, it's like, what the hell are you talking about? I mean, <laughs> right. you don't get over that. It will still hurt 20 mm-hmm. years from now, but it's mm-hmm. all right. As long as you use it so, so, to some kind of fuel to remember to live life yourself. Yes. I just think about the good memories mm. of him. I mean, that's what helps me get to the day. And there isn't any other better better way to honor him than than actually keep going with your life and following yes. up on your dreams. So I want to talk a little more about your dreams and what you do because I'm curious. I mean, you're not just you're trying to become a nurse, <laughs> but what else do you like to do in your life? I like to draw. You like to draw, yeah? Yes. I like to, um, I'm good at drawing flowers. Like, that's my specialty, I guess you could say. Something you do just to relax or? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Relax. Mm-hmm. I'll be out, go outside, I'll get my um, drawing board, I'll just draw with my music in my ears and just like free flow. <laughs> oh, that's cool. I always wanted to learn to how to draw, but, you know, when I try, it still looked like somebody at five years old did draw that. <laughs> so it's like, okay, this is kind of embarrassing. <laughs> that's when I do, like, I try to draw people. I'm like, no, I can't do it. Like, that's not my specialty. Oh, back to the flowers. Else. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh. Uh, you said you listen and you like to listen to music. I'm kind of curious here. And I, I was like, oh, should I ask that question? I had to... I had to look at your Facebook profile. Just, you know, who are you? Just, and you actually have what artist Snow the product? Yes. <laughs> I've never mentioned a single other person who liked her. <laughs> so I was like, what? I didn't expect yeah. that at all. I was just like, you get good taste. <laughs> I was so. I like, was, I love her music. Like, <laughs> Yeah, you listen. As far as I could, it was just, just a quick look to see, of, just to learn something. Uh, I just noticed you listen to a lot of different kind of music, and I was just mm-hmm. like taken back by like, 
what? How? Well, 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 what? What? <laughs> yeah. I thought that was pretty cool. I was like, yeah, okay. She's cool. <laughs> oh, and that is just me being nerdy about music. I listen to a lot of music and I'm very, very nerdy about it. And well, I used to, I'm usually diving all the way into it and be like, who's the producers and who have done the work behind it and all that <laughs> yeah. stuff. That's how I am. <laughs> I love music so much. It's so, it's like, it's a good getaway. I think for many, for many of us. I mean, put on your headphones, listen to something. I don't care what genre you like or whatever. It's just so, ooh, you can, you can deal with so many emotions that way. Yes. That's like, I love that. <laughs> <laughs> so do I. So uh, I'm kind of curious here again. I'm curious all the time, so I keep asking. That's kind of what I do here. So don't mind me. Do you regularly see any other with Franconia and Emi uh, these days, or you you have only been to Camp Saint you said once? Yes. So I don't know if you're in contact with a lot of people uh, regarding it. Uh, I was just curious about how big part of your life that is. But it's not a big part, right? Mm-mm, no. I've been trying to, like, go to the meetings and everything, mm. but it's been so hard with school mm. and then work. But I've been, I'm trying to go next year because I heard it's in, here in Texas. Oh, that should make it easier, yeah. Yes. Then you almost have no excuses. <laughs> yes, definitely. So that's my plan going next year. I even have written on my board to go to the FA meeting next year. Oh, do you have like a board of what you want to do in your life, or yeah. uh, talk to me about that? I want to know what that is. I mean, we will talk about straight up happiness later, but I'm kind of curious about <laughs> that's again. It's it's part of your hopes and dreams. Well, one of my hopes right out of high school was to go to the UK. Yeah, just to like go, like just be there for like a year mm. and then come back. And um, then my other dreams I have on my board is um, backpack through Europe. Yeah. Like I want to take my um, cousin because she's been wanting to go backpacking. So I'm like, okay, we'll make a plan. We'll go to Europe, backpack through the whole Europe. Oh, that could so, be pretty cool. I love traveling. Like that's what I want to do is travel. I totally get that. It's, <laughs> it's just fun. I think it, it broadens your way of looking upon life. And it also makes the world become a lot smaller because it just could become more relevant. I mean, before I went to the U.S. the first time, all I knew was the stuff from the media. I was like, yeah, crazy country. They just have <laughs> a very, very good PR machine when they make movies and uh, music. But otherwise, like, uh, I mean, so, but I have learned so much from actually meeting so many people, both at meetings, but also also privately and mm -hmm. experience how they live what they care about in life stuff like that I've, and it's the same not just the US but I've been to Taiwan I've been to Kenya and Africa I've been to many places and each time I learned so much about life and about, about how other people live and I think so it gives so much inspiration so I can mm -hmm. only recommend you that <laughs> it's you have to do that 
<laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, I've been, like, almost everywhere in the U.S. I'm like, I need to travel outside of the U.S. Mm. Can you go? And UK is a good place to start. I mean, London mm. is beautiful. There's a lot of beautiful cities in the UK. The weather is shit. It's even worse <laughs> than here. <laughs> but but you also got the good thing that you're actually able to speak with them. It, yeah. It's easier than going to Paris the first time, where no matter how hard you try, they'll be like, don't get what you're saying. Like, Damn yeah. it. <laughs> I'm trying here, I'm trying. <laughs> so I actually don't want to visit Paris. Like, it's not on my list. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I got to be curious because a lot of people, when I hear Americans talk about uh, Europe, they're often like, oh, I, I got to go to Paris. How come you... I don't know, like, I feel like Paris, like, everybody talks about it. Everybody wants to go there. I'm like, mm. Like, I hear, like, all these stuff about Paris. I mean, I love Paris, don't tell me, don't get me wrong. But I just don't want to visit. Like, I feel like it'll be too crowded. Like, it's too, I, I don't like being crowded, so. Ah, that's real. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think most major cities these days are crowded. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it's Kind of what I mean, the big cities have a lot of tourism, so that's also part of London where it's crazy. Was really like, yeah. I'm not even sure. I, I, I want to go around London, <laughs> go around London. Mm. I have a feeling you would like that because it's, I think it's too touristy these days, but at the same time, there's so many beautiful buildings, and there's just something yeah. about London. Uh, that you can't really compare to many other cities in the world. Uh, yeah. It's, it's been some years since I was there. It was actually a while right after I got my cancer. So it's been 2014. We just needed a short getaway just because of all that yes. shit happening. So we went there for like five days. It was between two surgeries. But we just needed to get yeah. a, get the... Again, pardon my language. We just yeah. needed to get the hell away uh, <laughs> and do something different, something positive for a few days. I couldn't even yeah. eat because of my tongue and stuff, but it didn't matter. It was just nice to be someplace different and just go walk around and enjoying the moves. And yeah, mm. I love that. Enjoy. Yeah, just enjoy and be present. The nature. <laughs> yeah. So with all these things we've been talking about, I wonder what, how do you look upon happiness? How do you define that? Uh, what What is I happiness to you? Happiness, being around family. Being around family. Yes. I, like, I love my family. Like, they're so supportive. Uh, I don't see myself without my family. <laughs> so you cannot be happy without them being around? I mean, I could be happy without them. But, like, just the love that I feel. Yeah. <laughs> love is... I, I'm teaching you over here because I'm looking for, like, <laughs> family is important, but, I mean, what do you do to create happiness for yourself in your life? What mm-hmm. matters to you when you wake up in the morning? Of course, family, I totally agree with that. I couldn't live without my family and my son and my wife, but, I mean, what do you really enjoy doing? Music. That's that's what gives me happiness. Music. Like I listen when I wake up. I listen to music. Like I could like listen to music all day. Do you do mostly do it like 
just being at home or like going to the park and choosing the right music mm -hmm. to when, when you sit there you enjoy that or yeah i enjoy nature yeah like i love nature like i'll be like just just to get out of the house i go to the park or i drive um to san antonio and just walk around the river mm. i'm asking you because i don't know jack about texas <laughs> other than the name And everybody making fun of everything is so big in Texas. <laughs> But <laughs> do you have beautiful nature in Texas? We do. You do? Yes. Mm -hmm. Tell me about it. I don't know anything oh. about it. <laughs> well, what we have here is the rivers. Like, I love going to the rivers. Like, you can see the little fishes, and the water is clear. And... Yeah. And then the hill country, we call it hill country. It's all about the hills. Mm. Like it's just beautiful. Like the landscape. And the country is beautiful. In the city, not so much. <laughs> <laughs> so you make lousy cities, but you're good at nature. Yes. <laughs> well, it's not the worst. <laughs> I mean I've I've seen the nature and I mean when people talk about the US Sometimes I can't stop laughing because they're like, oh, I've been to the U.S., I've been to Boston. I'm like, do you have any idea how diverse that country is? I mean, it's such a big difference between you being in uh, in, in California or you being in Nevada or you being in Boston or down south in Georgia. <laughs> I mean, it's, the nature is so different and the people... Are also very different from one another. You're all American, I know that, yeah. but you're still there's still a big difference in so many areas between people. I mean, it would be the same, like yeah, Danes and you and people from Israel, they're probably the same. They're living on the same continent. So it'd be like what? <laughs> yeah. So uh, maybe I should go over there someday too. I mean, I'm trying to see as much as I can while I'm there. Yeah. Um, you should come to Texas. It may be hot, but it's good. It's hot? It's hot. It goes up to 100 degrees. Ah, it's okay 130. for me. 130. I know, uh, <laughs> as a Fakoni, I don't know if people know that, people who listen, but usually we are supposed to stay out of the sun because it's not yes. good for our skin. We can get skin cancers and blah, blah, blah. I'm not saying it's not serious, okay? <laughs> I'm not trying to say that people should just... Run around in the sun without sun blocks or anything, but I love the sun. <laughs> yes, and, I do too. And I love the the warm weather. Uh, <laughs> I've been to to Nevada before, and my uh, the people I traveled with was like, "Oh, it's too hot," and so it was like, "This is damn near perfect." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, same same with being in Florida. It's the same. Oh, it's too hot. I want to go home. It's like, shut <laughs> up. I appreciate the sun, okay? <laughs> It fills me up with energy. Yeah. I love the sun, too. Like, whenever I go out, my mom's out, put sunscreen on. I'm like, okay. So I go put sunscreen. I'll be out in the sun and then come back. Like, I'm not out in the sun, like, too much because, like you said, we can't be out in the sun too much. But I love the sun. Yeah, we talk. But... That is a compromise you sometimes have to make. Mm -hmm. I mean, I don't know. Do you? I can't have to ask. Do Do you drink alcohol, smoke cigarettes, or anything like that? I drink alcohol once in a while. Yeah, 
Like in the blue moon, like I drink alcohol. Yeah. I don't smoke, though. Not cigarettes, but I do smoke uh, marijuana once in a while. Yeah. That's totally Mm -hmm. fair game for me. I mean... I did, I did that when I was younger. After my mouth cancer, mm-hmm. I've cut everything out, like, both... Uh, I've never smoked cigarettes either. It tastes like shit. Uh, my own, totally different story. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I've chosen not to drink alcohol anymore and not smoke and all that stuff because the risk is just too big for me now that I already yeah. have one mouth cancer. Mm-hmm. But I get why people do it. I mean... When we talk about quality of life, I don't know if you've given it any thought, but how much are you willing to compromise with your life just to be on the safe side regarding having Fanconi anemia? It's kind of like a 50-50 for me. Mm. So, like I said, like I hardly drink, or if I'm out in the sun, I have my big old hat on. Mm. Like, I stick so once in a while, I stick my arm out for the sun and it stick back in, but <laughs> and then that it's 50 50. Would that also be what you would recommend younger people? Oh, younger people, I don't know. No, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, <laughs> of course, not children, Maybe. but <laughs> yeah, I'm curious about because. That's probably what I've given the most thoughts to over the last couple of years. This is about quality of life. How much mm-hmm. should you compromise? I mean, I've chosen not to drink and smoke anything any longer. But the sun, I would go nuts without being out in the sun. So mm-hmm. in that case, I have put on sun, uh, what do you call it? Sunscreen. Yeah, sunscreen. Uh, I try to be uh, be smart about it, but I'm not going to wear long long sleeves all year. Wearing mm. a cap all the time or something like that ain't going to happen mm. to me. No, it's not going to happen. I'm not v- willing to make that compromise because I love the sun too damn much. Yes. So I'm be like, that is my guilty pleasure. And I know it will probably bite me in the ass someday. I'm aware of that, but I'm trying to stay healthy in so many other areas. So I think it's okay for me to to take this one thing and be like, this means so much to me that I'm not willing to make a compromise here. Yeah. And I think we're allowed to do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think once in a while, mm. I feel like we could do that. Mm. As long as we don't do it like constantly... Like, every day, like every once, like a special day or every once in a while or every other week. Mm. I mean, if we have to fit in among among other people, mm-hmm. we will have to do mm-hmm. something. I mean, we, yeah. if you listen to everything, you should sit indoor without any sun, not drinking, not smoking, and you should exercise regularly. I mean, how does that even add up? How do you do that? I mean, do you go for a run in the middle of the night? I mean, there's so many things we should do. I've looked at some lists about what we were, what we should eat to build up a better immune system and stuff like that. And you can do that. We got a lesson one year that 
for a dog meeting that we should eat, I think was half an onion each day. That would be very good for us. Uh, one raw, half onion. I mean, how how would I get, how would I do that? I mean, I I could make a good sandwich. I admit that I could make a good sandwich. Chop up some onions, put them in there raw. Mm-hmm, all good. After a month, I would be sick and tired of eating sandwiches. Yeah. I I wouldn't even know how to incorporate that in my meal every single day all year round. I mean. Mm. So, so. We have all That's these hard. rules. Yeah, we have all these rules of what we're yes. supposed to do. Mm-hmm. I mean, do do we actually give all these small rules? Let's call them that. Uh, do we give them any thoughts at all? To be honest, mm-hmm. not really. No, no not really. <laughs> no, but I think it's good to admit that, and you still mm-hmm. live a good life. I mean, yes. you haven't had any problems. Mm. And. To the parents out there, I'm not trying to tell your kids to do all kinds of stupid stuff. Just trying to, you have to measure out, you have to find a balance in, stuff, in the things. I mean, see where they fit in, like what they like, and if they don't like it, okay. Yeah. Anything can be good or bad, but you need to find some moderation about how you do it. I mean, if you like drinking, probably not drink 20 beers a day probably not a good idea when you have a cone anemia or if you just yeah. want to live to become more than 25 years old <laughs> but but you can get it on you can do it on occasion if you want to and if you yeah. feel like same with lots of other stuff so you talked a little about what happiness is to being around your family if you could Sum up some of the experience you have had and gotten through this life with having Fanconi anemia, being through uh, losing a brother, being in a family where you have a very strong relationship. So that that makes it easier, not easier, but it makes you able to deal with these things. Yes. What would you, if somebody else, if you met somebody who was diagnosed very recently with either, you know, cancer, fanconemia, leukemia, whatever. What would your advice be to them about how to approach life and mm. and uh, and deal with it? Well, I would say live your life, but have know your limits. And, you know, be open about what you have. Mm. Like there's nothing to be ashamed of. No, there really ain't, no. I agree with that. And I haven't uh, asked this question since some of the first episode, actually. For people who... The people you meet meet on your way, it can be relatives, it can be friends, families. What would you say to them? What is the right way to approach someone like you with a disease like this? Uh, how should they approach you? I mean, some people are actually afraid to talk to us about it. And they don't know, maybe they want to stay in contact, but it's so difficult for them to to know how to deal with it. I don't know, that's kind of a tricky one. Yep. (laughs) Um. (laughs) 
How would you like them to approach you? <clears throat> Just by coming up to me. Hmm. Like, asking me like, just questions like maybe leading up to that big answer mm. Mm. so if you get right you, you want them to ask you instead of just guess what's going on or mm -hmm. mm. yeah, in reality that mm. is what everybody should do I mean communicate mm -hmm. some more Talk yes. about the stuff. Communication. Don't don't be uh, so afraid of touching on on these kind of subjects. I mean, what could go wrong? I mean, if somebody come up to me me and be like, "Oh, I heard you was at the hospital the other day. Are you all right? Uh, what did happen?" I would much prefer that than hear them talking to somebody else. Be like. I don't know what's going on with him. He's at the hospital all the time. Yeah. You know, instead of just... Yeah, instead of... Go, instead of coming to me, instead of confronting me with the stuff and be like, okay, let's hear it from the house, house mouth. What What is uh, going on with you? I mean, don't be afraid to ask. I would never yell at somebody, how dare you ask about my health? I mean... That's usually not how it works. Actually, sometimes yeah. it feels good when people are not afraid to ask questions. Yeah. Yes. So, I asked you earlier about where you thought you would be like five years from now. What are your hope and dreams for the long end? I mean, where do you hope to mm. get to in your life? What are your hopes and dreams regarding that? Having a family. Yeah? Mm -hmm. That's not the worst dream you can have. <laughs> no. Do you think it's possible? What? I, I do. Yeah? I do think it's possible. I pretty much think you're right about that. <laughs> And I'm saying that because I know some people who have a, a terminal illness, a chronic disease, or whatever people deal with, that some people uh, don't want to start that life because they're either afraid of losing it way too early or that nobody will like them or love them enough because they have this disease. There's so many different things that people think about that maybe scare some people and be like, oh, I should probably just be happy about being alone and find a good hobby and, you know. No. Exactly. Keep dreaming. Yeah. I mean, Because that those dreams will come true. And this you just have to find me. Yeah. I mean, it, it has happened to so many people. You can always look at the the examples of people living uh, alone and not having a good life. But you could also look the other way and see people who have been married, who got children. Either maybe some of them are donor children because they cannot get them by themselves, but I mean, mm -hmm. we do have a lot of people with these kind of diseases. Um, I think I will ask you one last question. It's not just, it's not something I planned. It's just, I read recently on a board that someone had asked a question about uh, pregnancy uh, because she wanted to get a child but couldn't get it on her own. Uh, and somebody got mad at her 
and called her you know, selfish because she wanted to have a child even though she knew she had this disease. And it kind of made me mad. I mean, yeah. how dare people say something like that? But I'm kind of curious. You're a woman. You have Franconia anemia. Do you think you have the same, it maybe sounds tricky here, but do you think it would be good for you to have children? Mm, I don't know. Like, I'm still, like, it's hard to tell. Because mm. I feel like if I do have a kid, will it progress worse for them or with me? Mm. And I don't want my kid, like, to have it, like, real severe, like my brother did. Mm. So it's just, like, a possibility of um, scared. I get but that. I think It is possible. <laughs> I, I think I understand both sides. When they tell someone, mm-hmm. uh, I know other people have gotten the same question about how dare you have, uh, you bring a child to life when you don't know if you're going to be here in five years from now. I mean, I understand where they're coming from. I mean, they're thinking about the child and be like, the child shouldn't experience that pain of losing a parent. On the other Mm -hmm. hand, I can't help but think, isn't it better to have parents who who truly love you and who want to do everything they can to experience every single minute with you for as long as they can isn't that better to have five yeah, or ten years with a parent is. like that than having it 20 years better. with a parent who don't give a flying fuck about you? Or at least mm-hmm. not on the same deeper level? I mean, yeah. I see plenty of children whose parents are not really nice to them. I mean, I know it's a big discussion. I, it, I just, it just <laughs> came to me because I, I read it the other day and it, and it just moved something inside me because I was like, do people really ask these kind of questions? I mean, yes. wow, how dare they? Yes. I don't know. It, it breaks my heart when they, like, say that. Like, you know, if, when they say something like this, like, okay, are you saying, like, I can't be a good parent? Yeah, yeah. I might be here, I might not. But at least, you know, I have a spouse who could take care of him and give him stories. Mm. Or my mom telling him stories about me. Mm. I mean, yeah, it's the thought of leaving your kid. But it's also like me bringing a child, like a next generation. Yeah. I get that. I, we, Me and my wife, have, my kid is a donor kid too. Uh, I helped choose a donor together with my wife uh, because we wanted to do it that way. So it was, some, it, it was a conscious choice we made about picking that, that donor. And to me, it's kind of important because I know that some parts of my of me will live on in my son after I'm gone. Mm-hmm. And I know that was a big motivation for my wife too. It's something we share together, the love we give to that child. And hopefully I can be there to, until he turns 18 or 20 or I don't know what the future brings. Or, mm-hmm. But to think that I shouldn't do this just because I have some damn disease in my body. It just feels wrong whenever I see this kid. I mean... Yeah. So, I, me personally, I would recommend everybody to try it. 
Yes. Go get kids. Go get a family. <laughs> Screw what other mm-hmm. people think. I mean, we have the same right as everybody else. Yeah. We're not different. Nah, we... I mean, we may have a disease, but we're not different friends. And maybe we actually are able to stay more present with the kids because we know what situation we're in. So maybe mm-hmm. we spend the time better. I mean, I'm just guessing here, but I think so. At least I would like to think that's the way <laughs> it works. <laughs> Is there anything else you would like to add here by the end? I'm kind of curious about where you are regarding all this. Uh, you talked about your future and your hopes and your dreams and where you are right now. Well, I hope to see everybody next year at the FA meeting. Like, that's one of my other big dreams, Yeah, is to go to the FA meeting and meeting everybody and hopefully keep in contact with them. It's a good thing, at least. So I think it's always healthy to talk to people some, every now and then who knows mm-hmm. how you feel and know, knows what you deal with emotionally and mentally. I mean, it can be a good thing and it can be a big thing. I think uh, I didn't know it so well before we got into this talk, but I think I like the way you think about many of things. You seem very relaxed regarding it and very down to earth. You have pretty much figured out what you want in life regarding, I mean, you love your family, you know, you love your mm-hmm. music, uh, drawing every now and then. You don't, uh, you don't stress too much about it, just trying to actually go out there and live your life. I think that's a pretty good example to set for other people. So I do respect that a lot. I think it's a good way. Thank you. Anything else you want to share to people before we end? No. no. <laughs> it has been a pleasure to hear your story, hear your side of things, and how you have been doing so far. And hopefully you will do well many years from now on also. I really hope so. You made me curious about this, about going to Texas one day. <laughs> you should come. <laughs> thank you so much for joining me. It's been a pleasure. No, thank you, Daniel. <laughs> and take good care. You too. <laughs> Bye. Thank you for listening to tonight's episode of Life, Death and Happiness. If you like this, please do us a big favor and head over to iTunes, Overcast, Spotify, or wherever you're listening to this podcast from and subscribe to us. If you also give us a good rating, it will help us a lot reaching much more people. So I will appreciate that a lot too. Also, you can of course follow us on Facebook and Twitter and help us spread the word through there. My name is Daniel and thank you so much for listening.